All right, so we have been being challenged what it looks like to be a community of open doors, open hands, open tables, and we have had the privilege of living that out uh, the last year or so, and we're growing in that, and we're seeing God move in that and bear fruit in that, and I am so encouraged when I hear stories of what God is doing through us, as I hear stories of cookies being delivered and uh, cars being jumped. And uh, one of our neighbors several months ago, he doesn't live around us anymore, but one day he came out to me super pumped, super excited. Um, and he said, you are so blessed. You are so blessed. I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? And he said, it's just amazing to see you and your kids playing out in the front yard. And he told me, you'll never know the impact that you've had in our, that little apartment. Um, we're just watching here. Thank you, Robert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I recognize yeah. So um, it's beautiful. So Jesus takes, and this is what I want you to go away with. You hear nothing else. Jesus takes the little we have and does a lot. Jesus takes the little that we have and does more than we can think or imagine that he could do. So what does it look like to welcome, eat with, or serve someone outside our household each week? We're doing that. And what we've been talking about is that we want to be a people of open doors, which means we want to move from hostility to hospitality. We want to create spaces of welcome where people can move from being strangers to be friends and to be from friends to family. Right? We want to be a people of open uh, tables, right? That as we pick up our plates, we put down our divisions and we move from disunity to unity. We move and we see God begin to unify us as we break bread and Christ is present among us. We want to be people of open hands, that we move from independence, that we are just lone rangers out there, to interdependence, that we recognize that we are connected to one another, that we need each other, and that God calls us to be a family that cares for one another and cares for the wider world. So I want to look at Jesus uh, tonight. And I want you to read along with me. This is Matthew 15, 29. And I find that Jesus is the kindest, most welcoming, most compassionate person that we will ever meet. And we see that in this passage. It says, Jesus went on from there. And this is right after he healed a woman a Gentile woman. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on a mountain, and he sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, the, and many others. And they put them at his feet, and he healed them, so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. 
See, what we see here, and we're just saying this, that all creatures of our God and King praise Him. This is why God is worthy of praise, who we see in Jesus. When we look at Jesus, we see God, and we see how God is positioned towards the world. And what do we see about God through Jesus in these verses? We see that Jesus, God, brings life. And he stands against sickness and death and suffering. We see that God is fundamentally positioned against sickness and death and suffering. And he brings life. He says, I have come to bring life. And that's what he does. And he heals. In Isaiah 35, there's a lot going on in this passage. Isaiah 35 is a prophecy of the kingdom to come, of what the Messiah would bring, of what God's heart is for the world. And it says in Isaiah 35, the eyes of the blind, this is a sign of the kingdom to come, is what Isaiah is saying. This is what it will look like. This is how you will know the Messiah has come, the kingdom has been restored. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer. Get that picture in your mind. And the tongue of the mute sing for joy, for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So what Jesus does when he heals, he's doing more than just healing people and meeting people's needs. He is pointing backwards and forwards with his healing. What he does is he, heal, he, he points backwards to the way the world was always meant to be. How was that? All People, all things whole, shalom, wellness in all directions, hope and healing and wholeness. And so when the Messiah comes, when Jesus comes, he points backwards and he says, this is how God always wanted it to be. This is the, what it looks like when God's will and way holds sway over the world. The lame leap, the mute sing, blind are given sight. And so he is prophetically, it's, an act, it's a prophetic action. It's almost like he's putting on a play that says, this is God on the move. So he's pointing backwards, but he's also pointing forwards to the future when God's kingdom will be fully realized and restored. And he says, this is, God is on the move. Healing is breaking forth. Renewal is breaking forth. The kingdom of God, as he intended it, was wholeness. And the kingdom of God, as he will bring it about, is wholeness and healing and hope. And so he's pointing in two directions with this prophetic action. He's saying, with his action of healing, he's saying, God is on the move and God is for your healing. I want to ask John Rourke. Can you come up here, John, real quick? John um, would you give us just a quick uh, testimony to how God has worked in your life in healing? Amen. Um, God is good. God is great. Uh, a year ago today, I was in my third day of a uh, what's going to end up being a 22 consecutive days in the hospital uh, battling cancer. And... Um, it was uh, it was some it was some tough times, but God is good. Um, I thank my uh, I thank my oncologist for for healing me, and he was the first one to clearly say that 
He didn't do anything. He was just there watching as God healed me. God provided for me uh, in the darkest times. Um, in, a, in a few weeks, it's going to be a year anniversary that I'm, after my, uh, one of my radiation treatments, I couldn't breathe. And uh, I thought, it was, thought I wasn't going to recover from that, but God put the people in my life to heal me. He put a fantastic church in my life that stepped with me all the way through the fantastic uh, uh, church leaders that, that took every step with, uh, through this cancer with me. And then coming out after eight months of battling the cancer uh, and essentially losing my job because of the, the cancer battle, uh, God transplanted me and my family from uh, Kona, Hawaii to uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And he healed me again by providing a fantastic family for me here, a fantastic church with fantastic uh, church leaders and uh, a healing in my life where going into the cancer um, I weighed 365 pounds my wife was saying yes and um, now uh, I'm about 170 pounds lighter um, I am doing things that I haven't done for 20 years I'm working harder and and, uh, and working better and feeling better than I have ever felt in, well, than I've felt in the last 20 years. So God, um, who let this uh, cancer calamity come on me, uh, he allows things to come in our lives, but he was ever present with me through it and provided a healing for me. And we're almost at the point where he's provided back for us everything that we lost through it all. Praise God. He heals. Amen. All right. Thank you, John. God stands fundamentally for life, and he stands against death and sickness. Now, I want to ask a question because it's a question in our minds. We prayed for Aline, right? We prayed for Dave's back. It hasn't been healed yet. We've prayed for Joanna and her lupus, and it hasn't been healed yet. And so what? What about? What about them? And that's a, that's a difficult question. This is what I want to say. That Jesus came to do battle with the powers and the principalities of darkness and sickness. And he won that battle. He won the war decisively, but the battle still rages. There's still a battle happening for our bodies, for our souls, for our spirits, for our minds. And so we fight a battle. And, and Aline um, is a hero. She's a, a fallen hero. And I know that is so painful. And she is experiencing the full heal, healing of Jesus even now. And we're going to keep battling for Dave and his back. And we're going to keep battling for Joanna and her lupus, and we're going to keep battling for the other needs in our, in our family and in our community, and we are going to see breakthrough. And so we will fight in prayer until we die, or Jesus comes back, or we're healed, all right? And so we're going to persevere, but we need to know this with the eyes of faith, that Jesus reveals God's heart from the world, and what he reveals is that he is fundamentally 
for life, and he stands against death, sickness, and suffering. That's what we see in the life and the work of Jesus every single time we open the scripture. That's what we see proclaimed in the promises of the kingdom to come, that every tear will be wiped away and that every sickness will be healed. And Jesus begins to point back to the way that God always intended and forward to what he's ultimately going to bring about in the world. So Jesus is for life and stands against death. Now I want to continue here and, and, and notice a second thing about this passage, that we bring people, Jesus heals them. So we have a role to play in this. Let's go back to this passage. I love this. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. He went up the mountain and sat down there. And great crowds came to him. Came to him what? Came to him bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his his feet. And he healed them. He healed them. We are called to bring people to Jesus. That is our call, is to bring people to Jesus. Because we cannot heal people. We cannot solve the problems of people's lives. Jesus can, right? We are not the solution. We do the bringing. Jesus does the healing. We do the inviting. Jesus does the restoring and the transformation. What we're doing as we participate in a rhythm of life, of opening our doors and our tables and our hands, is what we're doing is we're creating space for Jesus to encounter the people that we love and to encounter us. We're creating space for Jesus to work. That is all we're doing. We bring nothing to the table except to issue invitation and create space for Jesus to be at work. And so we bring them to the God who's positioned towards them to bring life and not death, to bring healing and not sickness, to transform relationships, transform families, get rid of addictions. We and our neighbors, we all need to be brought to Jesus. So I want to ask you this real quick, and I really want you to think about it. Who in your life needs to be brought before Jesus right now? Who in your life needs to encounter the healing and the comfort and the presence of Jesus? It might be you. It's all of us. But who do you need to bring? I want you to think about that person, and I'm going to give you a minute to just pray for that person right now. Amen. All right. This is where it gets real good. Ready? Verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples to him. So he's healed all these people as people have brought them. He calls his disciples to him and he says, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint 
on the way. Can we just pause for a minute and just look at Jesus and his compassion? Like he has compassion on these people that he's been with healing for three days. Three days they've been sitting here. We read it in a couple of verses, but we're given a hint here that this has been going on for three days. And what this tells me, this is amazing. Jesus doesn't just speak a word of healing on the crowd. It's like, be healed. And everyone's like, whoa, you know, lame are leaping and blind are seeing and uh, mute are singing. He could have done that. Let's go home. Let's go to McDonald's. Chick-fil-A probably. But he doesn't do that. What does this tell us? He's there for three days. What this tells me is that he is interacting with each and every individual that has gathered there one by one, face by face, being brought to Jesus. And Jesus gets down on their level, looks at them in their eyes, and touches them, and heals them, and ministers to them, and relates to them. It's been, it's, it's been said that God doesn't just love all of us. He loves each of us. God doesn't just love everyone. He loves each one. And he sees you, Robert. He sees you, Arnell. He loves you. He loves you, John. He loves you, Andy. He loves you, everyone. I'm not going to tell you everyone's name. But he sees you. He desires to relate to you individually, to look you face to face, to touch you, to minister to you. This is the God that is revealed in Jesus. He's the God that is with us, not against us. He's the God that is for us. And so then, there you go, if you want to write it down. Verse 33 The disciples said to him, so Jesus has this great compassion. He sees the crowds, thousands and thousands that we'll see in a minute, thousands of people. And he's been with them for three days and he's got compassion on them because they're hungry. They haven't eaten. They've been so, I mean, you can imagine how that might happen. You're seeing people given sight. You're seeing lame walk and leap around. Everyone's super excited. They're forgetting to eat. They've been there for three days. They're they're in the wilderness. They're in a desolate place, as we'll see. Verse 33, so Jesus says, "I, I want to feed these people. And disciples are like, okay, with what? Right? Verse 33, the disciples said to him, where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? Where are we going to get it? So let's look at the situation, right? The the need is overwhelming. There's thousands, there's up to 15,000 people here. It says 4,000 men will be fed, plus women and children. They didn't used to count women and children. I'm sorry. I, we count them. But it's 4,000 men, and now up to 15,000 people are there. 15,000 people. So the, and he says the place is desolate. There's no McDonald's. There's no drive through There's no Costco. You need a Costco for 15,000 people. You, there's nothing. You're, they're out in the desert, out by the Sea of Galilee, in a desolate place. So the disciples are seeing, and they accurately assess the situation 
to be overwhelming and beyond their capacity, right? They, they accurately assess that this is impossible. This, the need is too great, right? And the people are many. So there's no resources, there's no food, there's no support. There's, it's just a, this is a desolate place. I want to do you ever feel that way about our city and about our neighborhood? Like you kind of look outside and you're like, whoa, this is a desolate place. The needs are many. The issues are complicated. I mean, it's not just help. It's, just, it's, it's so complicated. There's systemic oppression and there's racism and there's bad choices and there's abuse and there's neglect and there's addiction and all of these things and this is tangled web and it looks like you look at it and you say I have compassion I have compassion I know Jesus has compassion but this is huge the need is too great the people are too many how are we going to engage How does Jesus reply to the disciples? He says, what do you have? He doesn't focus on the magnitude of the problem. He turns to the disciples and he says, what what do you have? Like, how how much bread do you have? What are we talking about here? Like, what what are your resources? What are your assets? What's your time? Like, what's your talent? Like, what's your treasure? Like, what what are we working with here? And and they, they say, well... Um, seven, we have seven loaves and a few, I like this, small fish. Like, I don't know, a few big fish would have made a difference with 15,000 people, but a few small fish. Like, this is bad. They just really want to emphasize this. Like, we have seven loaves of bread and seven small fish. So Jesus responds with a question. He responds with with an action. And so this is like what I said in the beginning. Jesus takes our little and he does a lot. Jesus takes the little that we have and he does more than we can imagine. He multiplies it in the lives of the people and the spaces that we have compassion on. He takes the little that we have and some of us have very little. All of us have very little in comparison to the the great need. But he takes it and he multiplies it in the lives, in our lives, and in the lives of our city, and in the lives of our neighbors. Seven loaves and two fish. What's he do? He says, directing the crowd to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves. This has communion language written all over it, okay? The Eucharist. He took the seven loaves and the fish And having given thanks, he lifts it up. Having given thanks, he broke it. And he gave the broken pieces to the disciples. I want you to pay attention to that. He takes what little the disciples have. He breaks it and he gives it back to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. He takes all the disciples have, all the little that the disciples have to meet this overwhelming need and he multiplies it beyond comprehension to meet this need. Verse 37, and they all ate. They all ate. Did the disciples go without? They gave all that they had. They gave their, their lunch. 
But they get it back, don't they? All were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of broken pieces left over. The number seven in in biblical language is the number of wholeness, of completeness, of abundance. And so this is a full and complete miracle. This is, there's abundance left over. There's enough left over. This is a, a work of God that surpasses the need, the overwhelming need that they had. And those who ate were 4,000 men beside women and children, up to 15,000 people. And after sending the, away the crowd, healed and fed, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan, or whatever you say. Jesus will take our little and do a lot. He multiplies what we do. He multiplies and expands our open doors. He multiplies and extends our open tables. He multiplies and extends our open hands of service. When we welcome and we eat with and we serve, Jesus himself is present, ministering not to us as well as to those we gather around and we create space for. This is amazing. This is truly Amazing that every time we gather together, Jesus is at work. He has not stopped bringing life. He has not stopped standing against death. He is with us and for us and has great compassion on us. So he wants, he still has compassion on the crowds. And we look and we say, what a desolate place. The people are too many. And Jesus says, well, what do you have? What do you have? I say, I, well, I got some chicken nuggets. <laughs> you know? I got a, a table. I've got a roof over my head. I've got jumper cables. I got cookies. Okay, let's go. And he takes it and he multiplies it. And he's actually doing this. This is actually this is actually working. This is actually working. It's more than the eye perceives. I am really encouraged these days because of what's happened in the last couple of weeks. As we have, uh, I, I was at North Church. Come on in. Yeah, welcome. I was at North Church as I've kind of shared bits and pieces of the story, but it is a beautiful full circle story that occurred. I met a guy who came to me during second service and he said, hey, I want you to meet someone who lives in your neighborhood. Uh, this is amazing. I was, and this is, he starts, it starts with an act of service and a walking through an open door, okay? This guy knew a guy who knew a person, all right? And so this guy who's talking to me took the invitation of a, of a guy who had just gotten out of jail. He, he goes into a hotel room. This is real stuff. This is like in our neighborhood, right? Like within the last week. He goes to this guy's hotel room. There's other people. There's about two or three other women in the room. He senses that the Holy Spirit is at work. They're talking and they're open to God. And so my, my new friend, he says, oh, would you guys want to talk about... Jesus? Just share some stories about Jesus? And they said, yes. Cool. And so he opens the book of Luke and he starts sharing a story about Jesus healing and transforming the life of a woman. I don't know which story it was. I can't remember. 
And as he read it, he is weeping. Everyone in the room is crying. The Holy Spirit is just in this hotel room. These are people without homes, without addresses, living in a hotel for a night. And he looks at them and he says, if you could, if Jesus could do one miracle in your life like he did in this woman's so many years ago, what would it be? And one woman responded, that I'd have faith, that I'd have faith. And so they prayed. And she was given faith. And this, this is a person who had lived on uh, the streets for years and who has suffered with addiction. And this is my friend telling me this story, who I just met. He's now my new friend. He tells me the story. This is eight weeks after this had happened. For eight weeks, she's been sober. The place she's volunteered in the neighborhood for several years. They begin to see that she's, she's clean. And they've wanted to give her a job because she's faithfully volunteered so many, so many years. And so they give her a job. They set her up with an apartment. Her life is completely transformed. She has a place to live. Uh, she's free of her addiction uh, for eight weeks. And I get to be in this person's apartment. He introduces me to, to um, her. And guess what I find out? So the story doesn't end there. I ask this guy, well, what's, what's her name? And he tells me her name. And I'm like, that person was with us in our missional community in the Platts home. We opened our doors to that person. We ate with that person. It was this beautiful time that we had together. Awesome. The story gets better. Okay, so how did that person, that woman, end up in our missional community around our table? My flat with an act of service and an invitation of welcome. He's spreading gravel, tons of gravel around their compound, right? Someone's walking up Zuni. They need a job. They need something. So he reaches out open-handedly, extends an invitation. Hey, you can help us spread gravel. She helps him spread gravel. Then he says, hey, we're meeting tonight at our house. We're going to have a meal. Why don't you come and join us? So they come. And she, well, she comes and she brings two, two of her friends. And that's how this woman, who's given her life to God and give, been given the gift of faith, comes to be in our community. The story's not over. So this was eight weeks ago, or it's like ten weeks ago now. We hadn't seen or heard from them since. Then I hear, you know, from the, through the great friend, this guy, that she's given her life to the Lord. The very next Wednesday, who comes to our missional community? But the person that Mike had invited to spread gravel with two more friends. And we open our doors. We welcome them in. We, they sit at our table. We eat a meal together. The Holy Spirit is present. As we pick up our plates, He's putting down our divisions. And, and, and they're sharing from their life, even from the events of that day. And there's tears. And I just sense that, man, I'm going to ask if they're open to prayer. We pray together. It's this beautiful moment that we're together. And I'm just sensing they're open. They're open to more. Like, they're, they want more. They, they need to be brought to Jesus. And so I said, would you, we've talked a lot about faith and we've prayed. Would you want to just hear more about Jesus, share stories about Jesus? Yes. Okay, 9 a.m. tomorrow, I'll be out in the front porch. We'll, we'll, I'll have coffee. Open tables. No matter how small. 9 a.m. 
So I show up at 9 a.m., not really, honestly, not with great faith, thinking that they, they wouldn't show. 9.05, here they come. And we have this beautiful conversation, and we, we share a story of Jesus interacting with this woman face-to-face, the woman caught in adultery, and we have a two-and-a-half-hour conversation, again with tears, identifying with Jesus and God's pursuit of them, that he's never let them go. He's always been pursuing them. So don't think that God can't do a lot with the little that we offer. Don't think that an invitation to sit around a table doesn't create space for the God of the universe to start working in someone's life. The story continues on that. It's in the future. God is doing something. He's working something, and he's building us into a family that's on mission, that is extending our tables into the city, that is inviting the Holy Spirit and creating space to work. And it's, it's beautiful, and we love it. This is happening. And so the call, as we wrap up, you know, we've been called to welcome people, to eat with people, and to serve people, Right? So I want to ask you, what has God given you that he wants to multiply in other people's lives? Remember, it doesn't have to be much. It doesn't have to be much. Seven loaves and four small fish. I think he could have done it with a couple less fish too, possibly. Who is God calling you to welcome, eat with, or serve? This is going to be our rhythm. This is going to be our, our, our pattern of, of life um, indefinitely, but definitely for the next several months, we're just going to be calling each other to this. Know that as you offer Jesus the little that you have, he is going to multiply it in amazing and powerful ways. Don't ever think that you just had dinner with somebody because God was at work. And we may not ever see the full circle of this, these stories, but God is at work, and he's just the same as he was when Jesus stood and sat on that hill, hillside and people brought their sick and their wounded and their hurting. He's still positioned towards them with life and wants to bring healing. Father, we thank you that you are a God who welcomes us that you are a God who sits at table with us, that you are a God who serves us, and that we, because we have been welcomed, because we have been invited and we have been served, that we have been transformed, and that we can extend your invitation to others, Lord. Help us to be a people that bring people to you, that create space for you to work. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you, Jesse. You're welcome. Please stand again.